All right, good morning. Let's do this, man. Worship was awesome. Was the worship not awesome this morning? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord another hand of praise this morning. God is faithful. God is good. And uh, we're continuing our By Faith series And uh, this morning. Sorry, buddy, I locked that door. My bad. Um, uh, we'll continue our By Faith series this morning. Worship was so good, and I might preach so hard that, pa- that Carter is getting me a, a, a towel. It's like, like the sweat off my brow. It says pastor on it. My mom sent it to me. She sent me hankies, and I said, I ain't using a hanky, Mom. I didn't really say that. I thought, oh, thanks, Mom. I didn't mean to say hanky. Um, she's watching, so sorry, Mom. I love you. Um, we're continuing our series, though, By Faith. And we're going to look at, at, at the story, or continuing the story of Moses. We, we spent several weeks looking at the story of Abraham. We're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at the story of Moses. This is our second week looking at this story. And I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Hebrews 11. We're going to dig in there and uh, let the Word speak to us, pour over our hearts this morning. Thank you, son. Love you, bud. We're going to let the word speak to us this morning and uh, get into it. So, Hebrews chapter 11 says this, by faith, verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Here's what I want us to understand. We're gonna, we're gonna, this is sort of the main idea this morning. We're going to unpack it. What, we're gonna, what we understand this morning is Moses' true identity was in Christ. His true identity was in Christ. This was, this was millennia before Jesus would even be born, would even appear in flesh and blood on the scene. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses' identity was in Christ. He counted his relationship with Christ and his identity with Christ more valuable than his identity in Egypt. It tells us that Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Listen, as Pharaoh's daughter, Moses had anything and everything he could want. Everything that went along with being the the son of Pharaoh's daughter, power, money, everything that goes along with power and money. But identifying as a Hebrew, he had nothing. 
if he were to identify as a Hebrew and, and, and take his Hebrew heritage, it meant poverty, it meant ridicule, it meant mistreatment. It tells us, though, the writer of Hebrews and, and, and the writer of Exodus, Moses, tells us that he chose to be known as a Hebrew instead of the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be associated with the people of God. He chose to seek justice for the oppressed instead of ease with the oppressors. This morning, what do you want to be associated with? Who do you want to be associated with? That's a, that's a good question. That's a question that we've got to wrestle with and, and answer ourselves. Do we, want to, do we want to be associated with the oppressors or the oppressed? See, there's a lot of debate in America right now about oppression and who can be oppressed and who are oppressors. The Bible is clear. It's seen in the story of the Israelites and the Egyptians. The Egyptians were the oppressors, and the Israelites were the oppressed. It's why God said to Moses, if you got your Bible, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, then the Lord said, listen, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the, to, out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. And now, this is the Lord talking, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Over the past couple days, I have been on Facebook naming some systems of oppression. Now, that's not an exhaustive list. Those lists are not exhaustive. But they are definitely systems of oppression. We'll talk about them again in a minute. Oppressors use their power and their influence to subjugate people. The oppressed are denied the same rights and privileges and opportunities as the oppressor. The Bible's clear about this. Mary's song in Luke 2 is a song of Jesus overthrowing oppressors and setting up the everlasting kingdom of God. If you've got your Bible, you want to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 45. This is Mary's song. I want you to listen to Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good 
which he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Jesus came, in, according to Mary's song, to elevate the humble and to defeat the oppressors. Now, here's the thing. Why am I talking about this? Well, because the Bible talks about it. And my job as your pastor is to preach the Bible. But here's the deal. We, in, in, in our political and cultural moment, whenever we start talking about oppressor, oppressors and oppression, there is a, there begins to be a rise up in a swell of, well, you must be a Marxist. Anybody heard that phrase thrown around recently? Most of us. You must be a Marxist. Well, lest I be accused of cultural Marxism, let me stop right that right now. One can recognize systems and structures that oppress and not be a Marxist. Just to make it clear, I'm not a Marxist. I'm a Christian. I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe the kingdom of God is against the kingdom of Babylon and all of its systems. Babylon is a wicked system with wicked structures. And Babylon will be judged. Babylon will be defeated. Babylon will be thrown down. And so maybe a little bit about CRT. Let me just encourage you. I shared a message a few weeks ago on Facebook from Dr. Tony Evans, a sermon on CRT, where he proposes something he calls KRT, Kingdom Race Theology. And his Kingdom Race Theology offers a much better worldview and aligns with what we know about oppressors and the oppressed from a biblical worldview. Again, I shared it a couple of weeks ago on my Facebook page. Go listen to it. Dr. Tony Evans is one of my favorite preachers, and if I could preach like anybody, it would be Dr. Tony Evans. After my dad, right? Listen to Tony Evans. He knows what he's talking about. So I would just say amen, Brother Tony. some systems of oppression. The pornography industry is a system of oppression. It subjugates women. Would we agree with that? It subjugates women. It empowers Abortion industry is a system of oppression. Who would agree with that? It preys on folks who are struggling with an unplanned pregnancy. It preys on communities predominantly. The Planned Parenthood preys on communities of color. The Planned Parenthood was actually founded by Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist. 
slow the rate, the birth rate in the black community through abortion. It's a system of oppression. Would you agree with that? Slavery is a system of oppression, right? It buys and sells people, and it owns people, and it devalues people. It's a system of oppression. The Taliban is an oppressive system. Would you agree with that? It takes the rights of women away. It takes the rights of people away. We see the struggle right now that's happening in Afghanistan, and it is heartbreaking, and it's frustrating, and it's, in many cases, infuriating. Human trafficking is a system of oppression. Would you agree with that? It buys and sells and enslaves women and children for the pleasure of other people. These are systems. These are things that have been, that have been designed and founded with the intent of oppression. When sinful, evil people devise sinful, evil schemes, to do sinful, evil things, those are sinful and evil systems. Amen? Amen. Moses chose to be associated with God's people over the ungodly. Moses chose to be associated with the oppressed rather than the oppressor. Now, not every person or system that has power is an oppressor. That would be Marxism. But the mandate for Christians is to resist systems that are oppressive and seek to subjugate other people. The abolitionist movement was largely a Christian movement because it saw human dignity in everyone as a child of God and sought to bring freedom to the slave. Moses, again, chose to be associated with the oppressed instead of the oppressor. He chose to be associated with the godly over the ungodly. And I believe that our job as Christians is to find righteous revolutions and side with the righteous to bring freedom to the oppressed. And where there are systems that lead to oppression, we should work such as even this week I read in the news a certain company because of 
credit card pressures is no longer offering one of the services that they provided on their website because they don't want to face their, they don't want to lose funding. Why would they face losing funding? Because there are good Christian organizations, good Christian people, good Christian systems even, who are working movements, groups, structures, who are organized and are working against pornography providers to make it difficult for pornography providers to receive funding from banks. That's a great way to bring down an oppressive system. Jesus longs to do because we see it in scripture we see it in the dismantling of Babylon we see it in the freedom of the Egypt of the Israelites from Egypt we'll talk about this next week when the Egyptians chased after the Israelites the Red Sea crashed in on them because God was destroying the oppressor he set the Israelites free, and he destroyed the systems and the kingdom of the oppressor in that moment. The kingdom of God is against the domain of darkness. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of righteousness and justice. The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of unrighteousness and injustice. And Babylon will fall, and all the systems of the oppressor will fall, because King Jesus is righteous and just. Amen? And here's what's happening. I'm just going to be, be very honest and blunt with you and, and just open with you guys. It's even hard for me, you may not think it, because I'm up here talking, but it's even hard for me to get up here and preach on oppressors and oppression because our culture and our society wants to, wants to label this kind of talk as Marxist or liberal. I am church, I'm an equal opportunity offender. If the Bible says it, I'm gonna preach it. structures that sin props up. Moses chose to be persecuted. He chose persecution over popularity. Scripture says he chose to be mistreated in Hebrews 11. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Sometimes taking a stand for your faith, church, means persecution. Some of you 
that go to school, public school, Christian school, it doesn't matter. You, you may face persecution for your faith. Well, listen, I know. I, just because you go to a Christian school or go to a Christian university doesn't mean everybody there is a Christian. As you go to a public school, you may face persecution. You may open up your Bible at lunch and want to read your Bible, and, may, and people may think you're crazy or weird. You may want to start a Bible study or a prayer group, and people will think you're weird. You might be afraid to pray over your lunch because you don't want people looking at you and thinking, what are they, what's that person doing, weirdo, freak? chose persecution over popularity. Right now, there are Christians in Afghanistan, and I'm thankful for the freedom that was, that was brought to Afghanistan and, and the, the liberty that they were able to walk in, and I pray that they walk in that freedom and liberty again. But right now, we're hearing messages and reports and seeing things of, of Christians in Afghanistan who are literally preparing to die for their faith. Moses chose persecution over popularity because his identity was in Christ Jesus. identity isn't found in Christ Jesus first. You don't care about the persecution. You don't care about the influences outside of you because your primary concern and, and desire is to walk in your identity as a follower of Christ Jesus. That was Moses. It's also important that we understand the difference, and I've said this before, that we understand the difference between being persecuted for our faith and being persecuted just because we're a jerk who is a jerk in the name of Jesus. Right? Just because you're being just just because someone pushes back on you doesn't mean they're pushing back on your faith. They could just be pushing back on your jerkiness. Here's something else Moses did, right? Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He recognized that sin's shine will lose its luster. Sin's shine will lose its luster. Listen, if sin wasn't pleasurable, it would not be a temptation. Temptations are only things that we want to do. We are not tempted to do things we don't want to do. We are only tempted to do things we want to do. I am not tempted to do things that, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not tempted to go alligator wrestling. That doesn't tempt me. It's not sound like fun. It's not, 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 it's not what I'm going to do. I am tempted, though, 
you know, somebody says get some some fried alligator, I'm I'd be tempted to eat it. Nice little rambolade, dip it in, good to go. We are only tempted by things that we are willing or wanting or think we might find pleasurable. If it wasn't pleasurable, or if we didn't think it might be pleasurable, if we didn't think we might find some satisfaction in it, we would not do it. See, but but Moses, he, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Here's the thing. You can enjoy the pleasures of sin for, they, they, you, you'll enjoy them. Sin is oftentimes pleasurable. Feels good. But eventually the pleasure fades, and the, the shine fades away, and you're left with death. says, I think it's in the message translation, it may be the new century version. It says, can a man build a fire in his lap and not, and not burn himself? Sin is like that. You think you're going to get warm, you need a fire, you're going to warm up, but you're actually building the fire in your lap and you're just burning yourself. Listen, one only stops sinning when they realize that they can find their pleasure in God and His grace and in His truth more than they can find pleasure in rebellion. That's what sin is. Sin is rebellion against the nature and character and will and word of God. Sin is living that rebellion out. And when we find pleasure in rebellion, we sin. But it's only when we realize that there is more pleasure in walking with God, living in peace, living in hope, living in righteousness, living in mercy, living in grace, living according to the promises of God. It's only when we discover that there's more pleasure to be had in God than there is to be had in sin that we stop. I promise you, sin, sin's pleasurable, but the pleasure that is found in obedience, faithful obedience to God, doesn't fade away. And so Moses said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that pleasure, the pleasure of knowing and walking with God. Moses knew that while sin may be fun for a while, ultimately there is hell to pay. This is all the harvest. You, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. So pursue Christ. Reap the blessings of a life lived in obedience to Christ and leave Egypt. Listen, church, it's time for some of us to just leave Egypt. 
just to leave the pleasures of sin, the, the association with sin. Listen, that, I'm gonna, that's not in my notes. Let me, let me stop here for a second. Some of us just need to leave the associations we have with sin. Things that you may be, may be doing or living that, that are associated with sin and it's bound you up. And it's keeping you from walking in the pleasure of God because you are associated and living with so much sin. Moses was, was, was a child of God. He's a child of the Hebrews. He was an Israelite. He was in Egypt, living in Egypt. But he, he said, you know what? I'm not going to be associated with the sin of Egypt any longer. He was a child of God living in a land of sin, and he said, I've just got to, to be free. I'm not just going to be free here in Egypt. I'm going to leave my associations with Egypt so that I can be free to be who God has called me to be. Maybe there's some things of your past that maybe weren't necessarily sin. But it's the weight that's keeping you held back. Paul talks about the weight and the sin that does so easily entangle us. Not every weight is a sin. You hear me? Not every not everything that entangles us is a sin. There are things that entangle us that may be good and right and pure, but they sidetrack us and they hold us and they tie us up and they keep us bound because they prevent us from being who we're called to be in Christ Jesus. So some of those associations need to be let go. The weight and the sin. It's time to leave Egypt. It's time to, it's time to, to stop playing games with God. It's time to stop sitting on the fence. It's time to stop dipping your toes into the waters of sin. Just be blunt. I'm not looking at, at porn, I'm just looking at Maxim. Just be real. I'm not getting high, I'm just taking a you know, just a puff here and there. Some of us are living with the associations of sin and expect to walk in the freedom of God. Lay aside the weight and the sin. And discover that the pleasures of God are greater than the pleasures of Egypt. I mean, we could we could go on and on, right? I don't talk. About 
about them to everybody, just to a few people. I don't pay my tithes every week. Associations, let's, get, let's just get real. Let's discover the pleasure there, there is in obedience and faithful obedience to Jesus. Leave Egypt. It's time to leave Egypt. It's time to head for the promise. It's time to cling to the God of the promises. It's time to leave Egypt and move forward into the place or the season or the land that God has promised you. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's mind-blowing right there. He persevered. He, he left Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king's anger because he saw him who is invisible. Why was Moses willing to do all of that? Why was he willing to not be associated with Pharaoh's daughter? Pharaoh's daughter? Why was he willing to not be associated with the Egyptians? Why was he willing to leave behind Egypt? Why was he willing to be associated with the Hebrews? Why was Moses willing to do all of that? Why was he willing to be persecuted instead of popular? Why was he willing to put off sin? Why? Because Moses saw him who is invisible. taking notes. That's, what, that's the next thing you want to write down. He saw him who is invisible. Exodus 3. You got your Bible? Let's just read it, okay? Give you a second to turn there. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. The angel of the Lord, that's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. It's called a Christophany. You're writing down fancy words. Christophany, a pre-incarnate vision appearance of Jesus. Holy Spirit meets there. The angel Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was too afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land 
gathered to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation, the name I am, Moses met the divine in the burning bush. Flip over with me to John chapter 8. Moses met the divine in the burning bush. What was his name? His name was I am. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. John chapter 8, verse 48. Jesus is being questioned. He is being hassled. By the Pharisees and the Jews answered him, Are we right, Jesus, in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And, and at this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you're demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I, if I said I did not, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Yet you are not yet 50 years old, did you say to him? And you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Moses had an encounter with God through the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, Jesus in John chapter 8 says that he is God. Moses met God speaking through the bush. We meet God through the person of Jesus, the Redeemer, the Lamb of God, the Anointed One, the Savior, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author, the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. Moses met Jesus in the bush. What did the God of the bush say his name was? What did Jesus say to the Jews in John chapter 8? Before Abraham was, I am. Moses met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, it changes everything. 
Like my meaning alone is the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When you can be alone, you're a child of the king. You don't want to. You don't want to be addicted to drugs when you can find purpose and meaning in life through Christ Jesus. You don't want to sleep around when you discover that there is purpose and peace in the marriage covenant as established by God through Christ Jesus. You don't want to live a life of drunkenness because you could be full and filled in the spirit. You don't want to look at porn anymore because you realize that Jesus has something more beautiful for you in your life. You don't want to walk around angry and bitter because you discover that there is hope and joy in Jesus. You don't have to cut yourself because Jesus was already wounded for your transgressions, pierced for your iniquities. The punishment for your sin, my sin, was weighed on him. You no longer want to die, but you want to live because Jesus changes everything. When we meet Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. Moses met God in the fire. Listen, church, we need that fire. We need the fire of God to fall on us. We need the fire of God that washes and sanctifies us. We need the fire of God to change us. When you meet Jesus, when you have an encounter with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the way you see life, Moses met God. Moses became a new man. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this people this morning who have been attentive to hear your word today. Been attentive to your word. Listening to your spirit. place. There may be some folks who are in Egypt. There may be some folks who are associating with Egypt. And Lord, my job is not to convict. My job is to preach the truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict and to bring out things in our lives that you would want to purify us from. The word is clear of what is a sin, but the Spirit then individually works to convict us on things that we need to let go of. And I pray this morning, right now, in this place, that folks who are maybe living in sin or the weight has bound them. I pray, Lord.
before Jesus, that they would be free, that they would encounter Jesus, and that they would begin to walk in that freedom. Stop worrying about what Pharaoh's daughter thinks, about what Jesus thinks, about what popular opinion says. Stop letting your mind be shaped and formed through the discipleship of the world and get back to the Word. Let the Word shape your thoughts and simple this morning. for you, anoint you with oil, trust God, but let's let the spirit do the spirit work right now.
thank you for your spirit that we have felt in this house. I thank you for these folks that have come to worship and hear your word, to be in the body and fellowship together. I pray God's blessing on this people.